everyone to Beyond 64. Uh, this is uh, the apparently impossible to do intro <laughs> where we are talking about games that are not on the Nintendo 64. We have a very special episode for you today, funded by one of our amazing Patreon subscribers. We're going to learn the true meaning of Christmas. We are. We're going to learn the true meaning of winter. We're going to learn that alcohol is bad and leaving your meat out to rot is bad. I don't know that no, I've learned alcohol, that lesson today. Alcohol is... is is a necessary part. It's, oh. it's a, it's a okay, life-sustaining yeah. force. Uh, my name is Steve Gunling. Hello, I am um, I am a slave to Armork, Woody Sosnowski. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was the hit. Uh, that was the hit like Dance Fever, Saturday Night Fever, slave, slave to Armork. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, today is a very special episode. Like we said, we are talking about a game called Dwarf Fortress. Now, why are a we quote talking? Unquote, game. A quote unquote game called. Dwarf Fortress. Now, why are we talking about this? It's because one of our superstar tier patrons has uh, decided to inflict this upon <laughs> us. Uh, that patron is here with us today. Uh, say hello, everyone, to Scott Berger. Hey, Scott. Hello, everyone. Uh, I am a short, sturdy creature fond of drink and industry. <laughs> I mean, that's actually pretty accurate yeah. to you. Like, I mean, it's pretty is... accurate for all of us, if, if we're being honest. Yeah. Hey, I'm not that short. And, I mean, that's true. I guess you, none of us are actually no, short. Scott is. Come to think of it. Is it okay. <laughs> He's a short and sturdy. Uh, we we needed to call in a little backup on this episode too because so we are talking Scott about Scott monologuing. <laughs> it might just be a little bit of that because we're talking about one of the most complex games I've ever encountered. So. We needed to tag someone else in who knows a little bit uh, about the Dwarf Fortress. Please say <laughs> hello to Dan Reese. Hey, Dan. Hello. Uh, I didn't. I didn't memorize a fun thing to say. Uh, so uh, that's, I, that's I, I guess okay. I, I have been on your other show, uh, the Ultra Sixty Four, a mm-hmm. lot of times, and you made me play a lot of really bad games. Uh, so I feel like this balances this scales a bit because I love this game so much. Yeah, we'll say I mean, that we'll say that Dan is a a bronze colossus or a, a forgotten yeah. beast. I'm more sure. of a fuzz, I'm more of a fuzzy wombler. There we go. <laughs> All of so, these are lost on me. I, have, I tried. I, have a, I really tried. Are um people who are fans of Dwarf Fortress? Do you guys have like a name like Fortress Heads or like Dwarfies? Dwarfies? We, we, we like yeah. call each other Dwarfies. Is that certain really things, okay? Certain things or 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 feelings can be dwarfy. Okay, oh, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's uh, Urus, or, or is it Urus? Urus, Urus, McJob title. Urus. All right, so title. listeners, get so ready. Of Most of this be. episode is just going to be Dan and Scott <laughs> referencing things in this extremely obscure game. Yeah, Urus uh, McPodcaster. Yeah, you <laughs> both would be Urus McPodcasters. Okay. All right. Fair. I'm. I'm. I'm gonna. Try. I'm, I'm I mean, I'm largely. <laughs> I, I. I think I'm largely gonna be uh, kind of fumbling my way around the fringes of this episode because uh, you might as well change the name of this game from Dwarf Fortress to What Are These Symbols and Why Do They Hate Me? <laughs> because I had a really hard well, time I mean, just kind of interpreting what I was looking at. Let's and then, be clear. This game has an official name beyond Dwar- Dwarf oh, yes. Fortress. It is called. Slaves to Armok, God of Blood, Chapter 2, colon, Dwarf Fortress. Yes, so it's, it's a, a full title. It yeah. is a sequel to uh, uh, Slaves to Armok, Gods of Blood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just kind of a, a weird lark. Like, we were kind of talking about this a little bit, me and Woody, like, because we're both we're both new to this. You guys have both put in a lot oh, of time. Well, I've been showed this just in passing. Right. Like, like this by Scott. Like, I think Scott showed me this game probably 10 years ago. Wow. And was like, look at this crazy thing. And I was like, wow. 
that is a crazy thing. It's and then Scott continued thing. to play it, and I went and thought about other things. <laughs> and then, you know, when Dan emerged in my life a few years ago, he was like, wow, look at this crazy thing. And I'm like, yep, I remember that. How do you and find in 10 each years, other? the graphics have only gotten better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they just it's fly close. off the screen sorry so what were we talking about so Steve? yeah we're talking about this game dwarf fortress so this no, was but like what were you and i talking about well oh so we were talking about like is this some kind of elaborate prank is this some kind of outsider <laughs> art thing that like you're not really meant to understand it's kind of the conflict of like ultra minimalist graphics that in turn are very convoluted and an incredibly 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 dense a management system and menu selection and like all of these different ways. Like you can micromanage your dwarves and your buildings to like ridiculously tiny, minute degrees. I I do. I think that outsider art is how I would describe this. Cause to me, like I'm sure Dan will fill us in on some of the backstory of the creator, but like this strikes me as a project that somebody would work on and sort of have as a life's pursuit, regardless of if anyone played it. That is correct. um, correct. It's like, two people essentially created this game and there was very much the feeling of like, this is not going to appeal to anyone except us. Yeah. But being as the large reach of the internet and the large amount of, no matter what you're into, just by the law of probability, there are other people who are into that too. It's true. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Uh, Yeah. This game just kind of found an unexpected community and it's really thrived sort of underneath the surface of the video game industry for a couple years. I mean, weirdly, there's no better <laughs> well, I way mean, to like put 20, it. Like, like literally, there were, when this game was first designed, they were still releasing Nintendo, like the N64 had just died. Yeah, like yeah, a, 2002. Like a, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, yeah. Uh, so it was I, supposed I was, to come out on the N64, but, you know, we were just waiting <laughs> for that, uh, that keyboard input. Yeah, well, it would just be the exact same shit. It would just be it, really foggy. Yeah. <laughs> I, so, Scott, I wanted to start with you. So how did you come to find this game? And like, how did it kind of get its hooks into you? Like, why are you still playing this game after all this time? Oh, man. OK. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> you may have heard of a game called Minecraft. I don't know. It's one of those what really niche indie indie games. Uh I think like back in in 2009 2010 time frame uh so look kind of back towards the uh, the Scott and Woody college era uh <laughs> but back when you know Minecraft was start, uh, starting to first come out on the scene I was like oh you know this is interesting but I'm always you know interested in the games that inspire other games so I was like oh well people always say that you know Minecraft was um partially inspired by you know, other games like Infiniminer and Dwarf Fortress. So I'm like, oh, well, you know, what are these other games? Saw Dwarf Fortress, and I'm like, okay, it's free to play. Uh, it looks completely insane. Uh, <laughs> I hear all sorts of crazy stories about it. Let me give it a shot. And then I downloaded something that kind of almost looked like a Linux terminal. And yeah. I was like just as confused while using <laughs> it. I'm like, hmm. Yeah, it's uh, worth it's worth maybe. talking about in this game real quick. I'll, I'll come back to you in a second, Scott. But like... This game, when you download the installer, yeah. like it's very much like looks like something in Windows 95. You just run the application out of this zipped folder that has just tons of these other files in here. Yeah. There's no like launcher for the game or something. I had to fight against my urge to not click on an EXE yeah. file to launch the <laughs> it's, it's all explained in the readme.txt. I don't know what you're complaining about. I which yeah, I have I think, like, tattooed on me, of course. Yes. <laughs> so so I think like my First, and I think everyone's first experience with Dwarf Fortress is always a hard bounce off where everyone <laughs> always has a very 
negative first impression of it. And yeah. I kind of, and I, I sort of intentionally set you guys up for failure in, in multiple <laughs> ways with this. One of which was uh, when you guys were boasting on a, uh, on another Patreon uh, episode about, oh man, we have all these easy games that we're playing, you know, give us some hard games guys. Uh, and then I thought, sure. hmm. Then we got, we got uh, Knights in the Nightmare and then we got this one, which yeah. makes me long for the simplicity of Knights in the yeah. Nightmare. <laughs> that, that bullet hell, uh, RP strategy RPG <laughs> that with the touchscreen DS, like it had, that had far fewer mechanics than this game. And then I think like the other the other kind of setup for failure here thing is uh, I know that you guys only only uh, have a set budget of time to uh, invest your life into the lifestyle that is Dwarf Fortress. <laughs> right. So uh, so I knew that, you know, uh, only I, I want to say even spending maybe like five or six hours with the game is still not enough to right. like really get what's going on. And then once you hit no. that that mark that sort of clicks, then like the pieces start falling into place and you're just hitting hotkeys all over the place. You're like <laughs> speed moving around the map and you're just like, okay, I remember what all these things do. And then you have like this sort of internal flow chart. It's, it's very, um, it's almost Starcrafty in a way where when you get to that level in Starcraft where you don't have to like think about like, oh, I'm going to go and press this button over here <laughs> and then I'm going to slowly move over here. And then you have, you know, like the, the, you know, top grandmasters putting all their things down immediately and all of like these symbols moving around. You're like, I have no idea what's happening. <laughs> like that's, that's the, like the, the level of you want that Dwarf state Fortress. of flow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I've been playing Dwarf Fortress for a really long time and I uh, had booted, booted it back up um, uh, early, early November this year. Uh, so a new version had had come out some time ago, but I was like, you know, I haven't, I haven't played that new version, and it so took what, me what maybe version up are, until. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, it's uh, being and, continually and I, patched. Right. Yeah, so it's continuously patched. So there's lots of new stuff coming out all the time. But um, the warm up right. period for me to like as sometimes there's a gap of years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to say it probably took me maybe like a month to get back into the sense of flow of like, okay, what am I doing? What do I want to do? And like now I'm at that sort of stage of like, okay, I can fluidly do what I want to now. So, yeah. so what keeps me coming back is like, there's lots of new stuff being released, but it's also like understanding the systems in the game at like that much deeper of a level mm -hmm. and being able to like, see like, you know, Oh, like I, I didn't know that this thing interacted with this other thing over here. And like that kind of aha moment is what constantly brings me back in. Yeah. I, totally I mean, get that. the the sheer level of control this game gives you over how your world operates is pretty astounding. Even if you're not really looking at like traditional worlds, you know, it's a very abstract kind of concept of a world. The the values that they give it like are pretty unbelievable. And it's astonishing to me that they've been working on this for 18 years. I don't know how much more done it could be. <laughs> well, like, that needs to be. That's part of it. Still a, hasn't uh, hit its 1.0 for release. Yeah, the current the current newest version of is 0.47.04, which, according to them, the 0.47 is indicating the percentage complete that they are. Like, oh, so he's okay. saying they're about 47 percent complete. <laughs> Great. After 18 years. So, uh, Dan, how about you? Like, how long? When did you get into Dwarf Fortress, and uh, what keeps you coming uh, back? <laughs> I mean, it would have been around 2007, 2008. Uh, it was right after the re-release or the the update where they added uh, more Z levels in the <laughs> fortress. Uh, 
Right. So uh, I, I came in right as the uh, the amount of playable space on a given map increased uh, by a factor of like 400. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, no, I I, uh, I played a lot of uh, roguelikes uh, back in the day that were of the like visual style of the original game Rogue, where there's a lot of ASCII characters on um, on a grid. And so I'm sure that I discovered it that way. I, I, I don't remember the story of learning uh, how I how I found out about it, but it was um, it was like a big task to learn it. And then once you learn it, you really do, like Scott was saying, you get into a flow and uh, you understand how things are connected and you can build these ridiculous projects and usually they don't work because you forget to do something or because mm. some element of the world that you weren't aware of uh, changes, like you're using the wrong building material and it's flammable and so your dwarves burn up there's uh there's always new things to learn and watching uh the system that you carefully create fall apart under the weight of simulated reality is uh is very fun i want to talk i get weird about this game i want to talk a little bit about i think the reason that this game is so like there's a lot of reasons that this game is so unique but I want to talk about kind of the design philosophy a little bit here. Yeah. Because, like, I feel like this game essentially tries to do things that no other games attempt to do. Like, in, in some ways, this barely even feels like a game to me. Because to me, like, mostly a game is like, we're going to create these challenges for you, and then you have to figure out a way to overcome them. But here, it seems like the the design mentality is we're just going to create all of these different systems mm. and you're just going to sort of mess around in them and see how they interact. Yeah. Um, and so, like... And, like, the thing is, this game has an insane level of depth, but, like, the file size is, like, half a gig. Like, yeah. it, it is not a yeah. big... It's, like, it's actually much less than that. I think it's, like, 80, 80 megabytes is, like, the downloader for this. And it's, like, because... What in what is the main processing power on most games is like graphics and rendering things, and this game has no graphics. Like no. I mean, it has a thing you look at, but what ASCII is is it's just text rendered in such a way to look like graphics. Yeah, it's like those fun emails that your mom would always. Send yeah, or the like, start <laughs> if ever you went yeah. to Game Facts and then the, someone who would like draw a butt at the yeah. top of their FAQ yes. using a bunch of backslashes. <laughs> it was the greatest thing you could do um, with ASCII. But it's just like a game that so much feels like it has no interest in sort of helping the player along. It has no yes. interest in providing a usable interface. Like no. aside from the actual mechanics of the game being so in-depth and so complicated, the way that you interact with it is insane. Like Dan was helping me walk through this. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, okay, you need to build a clothing shop. So first you press B to build, and then W for workshop, mm. and then clothing is like L. It's K. She, it's K, <laughs> yeah, because C was already taken by something clothing. else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And like, it took me like 10 minutes to figure out how to navigate the menu for this even, game. Even simple things like, like moving from one screen to an X. Sometimes it's enter, sometimes it's your arrow key, sometimes it's Y, sometimes it's, it's U it's for plus no and minus to navigate plus and up and down to get number Like, good... Here's here's your free. If you're interested in playing this game, do not play it on a computer that has no number pad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm gonna say I, the first four years that I played this game, I played on a laptop that had no number pad. That sounds uh, hellish. So 
I had to hold down function keys and uh, you know, the, 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 it had like the numbers where it was over your letter P, it was a seven. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I would, I, it was a two handed thing where I'd have to uh, flip flip the, the function key to make it work. Uh, oh, there's definitely, um, the file sizes are small and the, the program is pretty understandable such that you can dig into some of the files and learn mm. about the different creatures that you encounter. Um, but the amount of processing power that actually is required by the game to simulate all the different things that are happening, there are atmospheric events, there are there the flow fluid, of water the fluid flow. and magma, yeah. there are vermin which don't even appear on the screen, but your cat might catch a, a roach or a lizard uh, that it can see that it, you can't see. There are things things being simulated that you you only learn about their effects afterwards, or maybe you don't, mm -hmm. but there's so much going on that on that old my old iMac um i would have to embark on a small map i'd have to use i'd have to intentionally shrink the scale of what was being simulated because it would take forever to process <laughs> wow. all that stuff to create the world at the beginning uh is qu there's quite a lot of processing that goes there i think steve before we were talking was t was saying that just just creating simulating the the world creation um seemed to take forever yeah so it takes several like, minutes what, yeah when woody was talking about like you know what it, what is the goal in dwarf fortress uh right. i think it, it kind of boils down to dwarf fortress being on like the heavy simulation end of the spectrum where there like no question. there isn't really yeah. so much a goal per se it's it's one of those like um another you know setup for failure type things of like this is a make your own fun game where the goal yeah. is being able to figure out like okay what challenge do i want to set out to do today or or this you know decade of my playing with dwarf sure, Fortress, sure. Uh, and you know basically like fumbling with the systems and seeing how things go chaotically wrong and being like well you know that blew up spectacularly let's try it again but this time in the mouth of a volcano and see what happens yeah. i think like that that's kind of the draw and challenge to Dwarf Fortress, where where I, I think we should kind of like back up a bit, where yeah. we're, mo we're mostly yeah, just like I've... talking about like the fortress mode as well, where there's like actually three major yeah. components to what well, what is this thing. Let, let me take a few steps back here, because I realize we haven't really answered the question for a lot of people <laughs> listening who may not know what this game is. What is Dwarf Fortress? I want to give a little bit of history about the development of this game and then kind of talk basically about what it is. So normally I list like a release date, but this game still has technically not been released. So let's say the alpha went live on August 8th, 2006. It was developed by Bay 12 Games, and you can find it on pretty much any uh, Mac, Windows, or uh, Linux. Uh, so Bay 12 is made up of two brothers, Tarn and Zach Adams, and they're just two guys who grew up loving tabletop RPGs and text-based computer adventures. And Washington so State natives as well. Are they really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah, even know that. I think that. they're up yeah. on uh, the Kitsap Peninsula. Oh, very cool. Uh, so in the early 2000s, they were still learning how to code, and they made a basic text adventure called Drag Slay, which was going to help them kind of cut their teeth in fantasy role-playing. And so a few years later, while they were getting ready to, while uh, Tarn Adams was getting ready to go to grad school, he started working on a game called Slaves to Armok, colon, Gods of Blood, uh, which was intended as a spin-off and expansion of Drag Slay, which is this original basic game that they made. Uh, and this one was going to be... It, I've seen screens of it. It looks weird. Like it has like kind of very clunky looking 3D graphics and, and 
but a similar kind of UI to Dwarf Fortress. It looks odd. Um, but at the same time, they started working on an indie game called Mutant Miner, and eventually they would combine these two games into what would become Dwarf Fortress. So the original title of the game is, as you said, Slaves to Armok, Gods of Blood 2, Dwarf Fortress, which is a title that Tarn Adams admits was just meant to be a joke. Yeah. Uh, this is not actually related to that game in any way. Uh, so the alpha launched in late 2006, and it kind of started as a very, very small project that just had a few dozen followers. And then all of a sudden, it just kind of started picking up steam on its own just through word of mouth. And then eventually Tarn Adams added a PayPal uh, to his site and started getting contributions to keep the game going. And eventually he was making enough off of these contributions that he uh, quit grad school and started working on this game full time. And Tarn's brother Zach came in to cover the writing and the lore side of things while Tarn does all the programming. So this is all made in kind of this weird hybrid mix of C and C++, like not really sanctioned by very many like computer, pro a lot of computer programmers kind of look at this and kind of like, what, what, what are they doing? I mean, this like, is kind of, I imagine this is kind of like an inscrutable puzzle. Like yeah. if something happened to one of the Adams brothers, like <laughs> no one would be able to like read this code. It's like whoever <laughs> has the recipe for Coke. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you just can't be able to replicate I, I think it. it was in a, um, there was one, one of many Dwarf Fortress documentaries I was watching uh, earlier this week. <laughs> one of many. Where, uh, <laughs> I think uh, uh, Tarn Adams was talking about how he was doing his PhD in computer science uh, yeah. so at some, you know, super fancy MIT Stanford type place uh, on, you know, like these really complex, uh, like, log like mathematical logic uh, um, systems and something that even even to me is like completely inscrutable, but like you can kind of see where like the un like the underpinnings and logical foundations to this may have come from right and i imagine that yeah like if you were to look at like the cc++ source code for this it would like i i'm just trying to think for my own fortress how it's running right now and think about like all the programming of like the dwarves like their personalities the like the yeah. uh the goblin invasions that were happening the goblin civilization that's on the other side of the map uh like all these like things in the game, the programming behind it has just got to be like mind blowing to look at. <laughs> oh yeah. It's gotta be, it's like so complicated while still being relatively simple looking, but there are so many like emergent, uh, AIs going on in the background and all these weird kind of randomly generated procedural things. Uh, so we are actually expected to get kind of a retail version of this game that has tile set graphics. Yeah. It's it's been listed as coming soon on Steam for like more than a year now, so I'm not sure <laughs> because when exactly time is relative, out. Steve. Exactly, <laughs> it's a, it's all a flat circle. Uh, but we've seen I've seen I watched the trailer for it. It looks definitely much more accessible. They clean up the UI and do things like that. But uh, yeah, so I mean, and and they like I said, the the point four seven in their alpha is meant to indicate that it's about halfway done. Tarn Adams speculates that he won't be fully done with this for another twenty years. <laughs> I don't know why it would take 20 years, but I'm very curious to see kind of what he has. I, I think if we're being honest, I think the version that we have is about as quote unquote done as it's going to get. Like, I think I'm it can add some complexity. Mouth. I'm still waiting. Know. I'm still waiting for the magic system. That's something. Oh, that, still gonna, that isn't a like, thing yet. Like so far we've just like, so Dwarf Fortress is, you know, this kind of like there's, medieval. There's space um, foreign in the code. <laughs> this, yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. But like, you know, it, it's like this medieval setting, uh, dwarves, uh, weird giant monsters, uh, 
And the one thing that you would expect to be in there, magic, is is not in there yet, but it's I think it's on their roadmap uh, to be done. And I'm just like chomping at the bit to think that like you know all of the creative and like original and wacky things that are in the game. Like yeah, I'm I'm just super into what sort of magic system that they would develop for it. I mean, I think that Tarn, I think he's living like, you talk about people like living their best life or like creating the <laughs> life that they want for themselves. Yeah. Like he's really nailed it because he's found this thing that like, I mean, I think that the reason that this game is not going to ever be done is because I don't think that he wants it to be done. I mean, I he think, said on record he considers this game his life's work. Right, yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, he's got, you know, it brings in plenty of income, and he's just able to live in this very strange world and sort of create this lore and creative ways to integrate it into programming. Like, this, look, I mean, this is a game for nerds. Oh, like, <laughs> like just like an absurd degree. And, like, we have a video game podcast. Oh, yeah. Um, but somehow, like, by, by something nerds of, for nerds. Yeah, yeah, but something yeah. about this game just feels like it's so like part of part of just game design philosophy is like we're essentially going to cover up the fact that you're playing a game. Yeah. And like the way we do this is we have better and better graphics and like the mechanics all flow supernaturally and like this this game essentially is pulling away the veil and they're like no we want you to see the code of this game, essentially. We want you to feel like you are just dicking around yeah. in, like, a, a Windows program from 1992. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, say, actually, I feel like there's there's a... a Tarn has talked about in, in videos that I've seen uh, and interviews. Uh, he, he feels like the, the graphics get in the way of, of the simulation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you... Are then looking at the graphics more than you're you're trying to evaluate whether or not this feels real. So it's kind of like right. reading a book where you don't have to see the the picture of the thing that is described. Uh, I mean, I once, think that once you're a few pages in, and once you get over the you the, the user interface hump of Dwarf Fortress, you really do. It's like I was thinking the other day. It's like the scene in the Matrix where the guy is just looking at the raw code, and he says, mm. "You know, this one's a blonde, that one's a brunette, this one's a redhead." Um, you develop these, uh, these a different a different way of seeing the simulation, and it does begin to feel more real. I mean, yeah. the the weird thing is that, like, as uh, inscrutable as these graphics, for lack of a better word, look, they're kind of the least confusing part of the game. Once you <laughs> once you I open disagree. it up, I disagree. Like, I found the graphics to be way more confusing. Dan I don't spent know, I, like five minutes trying to explain how Z layers work to me, and I was see like, for, for whatever is, reason that clicked with me. All right, yeah. here's the, the I, this is the confusing thing for uh, new players who've never looked at this game before. Yeah, this is the confusing thing. <laughs> well, okay, when you're first getting started, you're looking at what looks like kind of a bird's eye view of a map. Which is basically right, except the thing is we're not looking at just a flat bird's eye. We're looking at uh, a Z-axis. So basically think like a think like a uh, MRI or a CAT scan or something. You're moving through the body from the top down. And or you're like just seeing how layer, a 3D layer, 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 layer. Like how a 3D printer works, exactly. So that's kind of what you're seeing. And you can l- raise and lower yourself through these different layers and kind of cultivate different layers like that. Uh, once I kind of wrap my head around that and kind of figured out what the basics are. Okay, so this black space is the side of a mountain. This is grasses. And 
And yeah, press the K button to access your look feature at any time. This <laughs> sure. is a very, very helpful feature. Uh, once you kind of wrap your head a little Unless bit. Unless you want to look inside, in which case you press T. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. See, that's this is where the complexity became too much for me. I got to a point where I'm like, okay, I'm wrapping my head around these visuals. I understand to at least some degree what I'm looking at. And now it's just a matter of trying to control it. So this is, I, I kind of followed, uh, we're, we're talking, yeah, and like you said, there's a couple different modes here. There's a, a fortress so, mode, which yeah, is let's, most let's of what we're talking about. Let's take another quick step back yeah, as we yeah. keep going. So basically what you do in this game is you, once you figure out how to navigate this menu with the plus and minus and or number keys, mm. your first option that you're going to have to do is create a world. Um, regardless of the mode that you play, you need to create a world. Yeah. And you can sort of set the parameters much as the way you'd like set up map size for a game of civilization or something. Yeah. You want a big world, small world. Another very bizarre, you know, the frequency of minerals that are around the world. Um, another very bizarre thing is you can set the length of history. Yeah. So yeah. basically, every time a new world is created, the game essentially runs calculations of all of these historical events that have happened to every creature in this, every creature and every continent and every item in this world. Yeah. And there's one of the, one of the modes, once that world is created, is Legends mode, where it is literally just shows you lines and lines of randomly generated text history yeah. about every creature that is in this world. Yeah, which which is just it's just a crazy thing that it like this is a mode, but there's no gameplay here. You're just oh, yeah. reading a bunch of randomly generated text. I think it's one a, thing that's yeah. that's super interesting about and, and unique about Dwarf Fortress with this Legends mode is a lot of times when you play a game, you know, you you, you boot up Legend of Zelda, you run around and like you kill a bunch of uh, mobs and, you know, you beat the the mob the, moblins. The boss. Called moblins. moblins. Yeah, sorry. Mm. Uh, you steal a bunch of chickens and you break a bunch of pots and stuff. Yep. And then, yep. you know, you end your game and then like that's kind of it. And then you start up a new game and like the slate is wiped clean. Whereas right. in Dwarf Fortress, when you create a world, you know, you can run around as an adventurer, you can create a fortress. Um, and like, and those things have history. So like, yeah. you know, you can, you can see how, uh, you know, when you slayed that dragon that one time, it impressed people of a village like a hundred <laughs> years later, and then they erected a statue in their town square for you or some crazy thing like that. Yeah. What you could retire the fortress that you built with me the other day and then play it as adventure mode. You could go and visit that fortress and, Mm. grab the wine that your dwarf brewed <laughs> that one time or, or whatever uh, you can uh, your dwarves sometimes will go crazy uh, and they'll be taken over uh, with a fey mood and they'll make an artifact <laughs> and those artifacts are these sort of unique elements in the world uh, unique items in the world uh, in adventure mode you can you can go and find one of these artifacts and use it uh, so th there's uh Especially if you've played a particular fort for a long time, it gets tempting to, when you retire it, start another fort in the same civilization and see if you can get traders that'll give you news of what's happening in that mm -hmm. fort now. In the first fort oh you built. God. So yeah, yeah there's, there's two mo So there's the Legends mode where you can read all of this history. Um, you're sort of, I would say, the main crux, the main mode of this game is Fortress mode, um, where, I mean, it, it's kind of like... It's kind of like Sim City. Yeah. Um, if you know, Sim City was insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, um, 
and you just kind of you you choose an area to sort of embark with your first dwarves. And you're you're of course you start with seven dwarves, as mm. is natural in all dwarf kind. Sure. Um, oh, I didn't I, even put that together. I didn't, I didn't identify which one of them was dopey. But, uh, <laughs> I, really, Mark. after playing this game, I was the one who felt dopey. <laughs> oh. But, uh, yeah. You pick an area to embark. Dan suggested I embark near the volcano because it is rife with minerals. Mm. Uh, or I can use it to. Uh, Smelt later in the game for the magma. All I learned from watching the, I, I did like a step by step tutorial on YouTube, and all I really learned about this early part is do not, do not build near an aquifer. Okay. The oh, guy was shit. very upset if you were trying to build near an aquifer. Uh, so I, I don't think know since why. 2019 aquifers are a little bit less overwhelming, but yeah, it's it's a lot easier to dig if you have no aquifer. I accidentally okay. did that with a uh, a fort that I was building uh, a few weeks ago that I had to abandon because of a zombie siege. Uh, <laughs> where sure. I I started it and I'm like, okay, I gotta I gotta like embark my dwarves. I have to start burrowing into the mountain and then I gotta start digging downwards. But the problem is. With an aquifer, you know, you have water underground. Your dwarves will will stop digging if they come near a da- a stone that is damp while they're digging because yeah. they're like, oh, I don't want to break you know break this open because it's going to cause a whole bunch of water to break through. So I'm like, okay, that's fine. Uh, why don't we try digging off in this direction? Uh, dig off in that direction, and it's like. Uh, like aquifers all over the place. I can't really go anywhere. And in the meantime, I'm like running out of food because I'm like, okay, I didn't, I didn't plan my journey very, uh, <laughs> very thoughtfully. So I didn't put any seeds in my wagon. So I don't have any plump helmets to farm oh, no. to make, to make beer. So my dwarves can uh, stay hydrated. And I'm like in this crazy race against the clock to dig down to a cavern so I can do subterranean farming uh, before my food stores <laughs> run out. But luckily, the zombies came and ate everybody, so it didn't matter. Sure, so oh, they luckily, solved your problem. Thank you for the zombies. Um, so you're gonna you're gonna choose this area to kind of designate with your dwarves, and they all sort of excel in different things. All these skills are kind of randomly generated. Um, so you'll be like, okay, I want to dig out here, and you uh, designate an area to kind of dig out, and your dwarves will start digging that area that becomes your fortress. And then, sort of from this point on, it basically just becomes management. You just, you know, you got to keep your dwarves fed. They yeah. just totally subsist on alcohol. Yeah. So you have to figure out <laughs> well, a way they have to, to eat food as well. But yeah, the, yeah, here's yeah, the thing. But... This this isn't management in the SimCity sense where it's like, oh, crime is high. Build a police station. It'll take care of that. Right. This is management in the sense of, okay, we need to chop down these trees so we can build this shop, so we could produce a barrel, so we could store the mead that we build in the still that we still have to yes. build. We have to plant these trees. We have to build every single piece of furniture and that's the... in every single house. Like, and the yeah. game like doesn't tell you. Like in Sim City, there might be like a notification up the top that's like, "Oh, crime is running yeah. rampant. Like you need to do something about it." Whereas here, like your dwarves might be hungry, yeah, or they or they might you know not have alcohol, so they go crazy, or they're exposed to your rotted meat, so they go crazy. But you don't know that. But you you're yeah, the game doesn't tell you, and all of a sudden your dwarves just like start murdering other dwarves, <laughs> and you're like, "Well, I should have been paying better attention." <laughs> like, I mean, this game has a reputation even beyond the the learning curve of just being an incredibly difficult game because you do run into these like very random events like that. Like your dwarves will all go crazy. You're, you're a, a poisoned cat will wander into your <laughs> fortress and bite everyone. Uh, you'll get invaded by goblins. Like there's so many ways to die without you even realizing that you can defend yourself from it. Right. So like there's just, there, there's a million different variables that can go wrong. And I think that's where you're really kind of running into the issue. So all of these actions are taking place, like we said, in these menus that you can have popped up on half of your screen. 
And uh, each time you open a menu, it opens up another menu, which has a dozen different sub-menus, and they all have different leather de- designations. So it's a bit of an alphabet soup thing, just trying to figure out where you need to go and next and what you need to, to start with. Just to do seemingly... I mean, this is a game that just it always sort of... It, it's, it's a logical quest of, like, it always takes something to the next step. Like, mo- you know, games by design, like, tend to simplify things. And yeah. be like, oh, you need to feed your people, like here's a mushroom, you just eat the mushroom. Or, like, you butchered the calf, so, like, now you have meat. Like, that's yeah. how games work. But here they're like, okay, you butchered this animal, you need to, first, how do you butcher it? You need to make a butcher shop. Yeah. Then, how do you cook it into food? You need to make a kitchen. And then, how do you actually, you have to send a dwarf there to make it into a meal, and then, like, how do you store this food? You have to build pots. Yeah. And it's just, like, each thing logically goes to this next step. And don't you need to, like, set up tables so they can eat, too? Like, or Probably. Eventually, you need to have table a table with a chair next to it. And if your dwarves <laughs> are really going to be happy, you need to make sure there are goblets so that they're not just drinking their drinks straight from the barrels. They have to dip a goblet into the barrel to get their drink. Otherwise, and- all of these little things, they can, you know, they can eat a raw mushroom. If they have to, they'll hunt and catch little lizards or whatever to feed themselves. They'll even drink water if they have to. Dwarves or booze. And but, again, it, it really needs to be said, but, all of these are just commas. Yes. These are all commas <laughs> and slash marks and at symbols. Yes. So like... <laughs> but when you, that... when you start looking at um, the dwarven thoughts, like so each, each dwarf that's being simulated, if you have a mature fortress, you might have 200 dwarves in your fortress, each of them has their own experiences and mood. Um, and so you need to make sure that your general mood is high enough that you, your dwarves don't start flipping out and throwing furniture because then <laughs> everybody gets in a bad mood and the whole thing falls apart. You have to make sure that they have a, a temple with a five by five dance floor that yeah, they can uh, take their, their crazy instruments to and also for some reason uh, decayed corpses of birds uh, that are generating miasma that will also make them crazy. Yeah, sure. you gotta make sure you gotta make sure your cats have a refuse bin because the cats are gonna hunt for food or hunt for roaches or whatever. But if they don't have a place to carry the refuse to, then that's just gonna rot in your fortress. I'm curious about how you guys play. Do you have one fortress you've been working on for a long time, or are you guys constantly starting new fortresses and starting new adventures? The latter. Um, yeah, I think like I think it kind of depends. I think like whenever there's a big new release. I'll kind of make a a wish list of things that like I think would be interesting to to kind of uh, play around with, and I think so. The the stuff that I'm uh, my wish list for uh, for this season of Dwarf Fortress uh, is I, I've made a very teeny tiny world and I've started it from the very beginning of history. So I think like all of the actions that I'm doing now, I, I want to see how those reverberate through the Legends mode. <laughs> and my goal is to, the, uh, the last time I was playing this, they, I don't think they had a uh, book binding enabled, but this time <laughs> uh, what I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make uh, books out of, um, uh, out of mushroom thread and create like a library of a- Alexandria to kind of like, generate like the world of knowledge and then see how long it takes the, the world's the most boring amusement park <laughs> welcome to the world of knowledge well so so there's that and then when that one eventually uh falls i'm gonna build another fortress up the hill where the magma crater is and then i'm just gonna excavate out as much magma and see how much i can cover the the island with oh god <laughs> oh 
My lord. Says, right. You're like a Bond villain. <laughs> so that that is your fortress mode. That is one mode of the game. That's one mode. That's probably your bigger mode. That's been the more fleshed out. It's um, the one focus that of the game. I think if you know this game at all, you kind of know but it. But there's as this a other weird thing called quest mode, or adventure which, mode, yeah. adventure mode, which more closely resembles like a traditional RPG, but only in like only in yeah, spirit. Yeah, I don't know about closely, you, but yeah, yeah, you start. Um, they're like, okay, you got to create your character, and I'm like, yeah, I know how to create a character. I've played, <laughs> I've played Final Fantasy. I've played Diablo. I can figure this out. Let's see. And, I want to give my at symbol high cheekbones. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be an elf. Uh, yeah. And just like the level of specificity, like again, they allocate you a certain number of points um, that you can spend on all these different stats. And some of them make sense. Some of them are like swordsmanship yeah. and swimming. But then other ones are like ambition and just like these like crazy specific like personality traits that I'm like I have no idea how this translates into gameplay and it's just like literally your entire screen is just taken up by a single space lines of all these different stats and then once I finally created my character it showed his personal goals which is like to see the world, to engage in meaningful conversation. And again, I'm like, what What the hell is I, going on? Yeah, I think <laughs> I, I, I want to touch on that a little bit too because like every single dwarf that you have in your game has their own very rich, detailed, procedurally generated backstory. They all have at least five or six different paragraphs of explanation on who they are, where they come from, what their wants and needs and ambitions are, and that will play into the game. And little things like them being injured or something, maybe they lose a hand at one point, the game remembers that, and then they can't do certain tasks. Like There's there's so, so much going on with every single character, and you're not even really going to see it unless you really want to so what do you what do you so scott like what do you actually do in adventure mode like so i've created this character and then like now what uh-huh yeah i have some fun adventure mode stories i think the first time uh that i played dwarf fortress because i think the fortress mode was like way too intimidating at the time and i'm like oh adventure mode like i know what that should be like right uh just spam a bunch of so i just like hit the yes key a bunch and it just started me out <laughs> you, like, you okay. got that that drinking bird yeah i only have to hit why <laughs> why what? uh and so my my first adventure i'm just kind of like moving around I'm like okay i can i can sort of understand what these ascii graphics are there's a, a fun sort of uh line of sight uh, like fog of war element to it, which is kind of interesting. So like a lot of times, you know, you'll see people like, you know, walk behind like a tree or something and they go out of your vision. And it's like, that's where they like last were. I'm like, Oh, that's kind of cool. Uh, my adventure walked around. I came to a river. I'm like, Oh, this is a, a neat looking river. And then I got eaten by a fish. Uh, so my <laughs> so, next, yeah, I mean, but like this, there's like, it's called adventure mode, but you have mm-hmm. no goal. Like this is basically Correct. like, yeah, so, you're so just I, a dude living a life. Yeah, there is, there are, um, this is another one of those like the fun is what you make of it sort of things mm-hmm. where you can have your your standard um uh sword and well uh, I guess like dragon slaying adventure there was there was one uh another very dwarf fortressy uh style adventure that I had where start an adventure go and talk to uh the the townsfolk and they'll tell you rumors of what's going on nearby and they'll say like oh you know we're being harassed by this dragon who lives up the hill I'm like okay great now mm-hmm. I, ha- I can go beat up the dragon uh, mm-hmm. go and, you know, I see that there's like tons of dead bodies around the dragon. I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe I'm not quite up to that level yet. Um, and so, you know, you go around, you can, you know, 
can go and stab turkeys and build up your, you know, you know, your level kind of that way and get, then go and fight the dragon. I eventually uh, found a way to sort of like cheese the system by enabling a macro that was in indoor fortress wow. that, or the adventure mode where I could like pick up a handful of sand and throw it down like thousands and thousands of times to build up my strength. I go into the dragon, <laughs> I go into the dragon's cavern and I throw an arrow at him and it just like headshots right through his brain and kills him in one hit. Oh my god! So, I mean, so I think there's like there's there's aspects of like that sort of quote unquote traditional uh, adventure mode, and then there was one that I just started recently where, um, uh, of course, I, I picked the uh, the porcupine man as my as my go to starter, as you do, uh, and I thought, okay, well, I'm going to do a non traditional one. I'm going to be a bard and try to sing you know, <laughs> porcupine the, the bard, best, <laughs> yeah, and and try to sing the best song uh, that I could. Uh, so you know. Uh, went around to to various uh, buildings in the towns, and, and I'll say, if, like for a game that's like totally procedurally generated, the towns are very interestingly laid out. Where you have like, and this will sound you know hilarious, but you have roads, you have buildings, you have like, it it feels very real for how weirdly uh, like ASCII and I guess like toned down it is. But so mm-hmm. you're a porcupine man running into these you know hotels and inns and playing like these like ludicrously intricately detailed songs for people based on the descriptions and they'll be like oh yes that was quite nice oh yes <laughs> uh, and so i was like okay the, uh, i've been impressing the townsfolk i'm gonna go into the keep that's in the center of town and play for the king and queen and then they'll love it so much it'll show up in the history uh or the, the legends <laughs> mode and then i'll be able to see how the the you know the legend has spread um oh, so but like you sing yeah, and so I'm like uh, running around uh, this keep, and you can kind of tell it's a castle by the, like this huge structure. Uh, but the other side of the coin for procedural generation is that there was an entrance, but it was like there was like this weird sloping uh, like part to the front where my I guess my porcupine man couldn't make the jump to get into the front of the keep, so I, I just starved to death. Uh, <laughs> But his legend will live on, I think. Sure. Well, uh, yeah. Of this, the songstress porcupine. I, I I know they just did a big update to uh, adventure mode. I know it's not something that a lot of a lot of players don't really touch this very often. I think the the fortress mode tends to be the draw. But I know they've added like a, a party system where you could have multiple characters in your team at any given time and. They've added some very nice, like, kind of almost the, the closest you have to graphics in this game is exploring in adventure mode. And as, like, the fog of war lifts and, like, the, the map populates a little bit, you almost get little lighting effects mm-hmm. of, like, uh, uh, I don't know, some gray beams of light kind of <laughs> flashing around things as you explore, which I found very hypnotic, even though I didn't understand what I was doing <laughs> at all. Yeah, so I don't know. It, it, is, is this something you guys are going to spend more time with or is the fortress mode still kind of the, uh, the draw for you? I... I... I've spent some time with the adventure mode, but I never really got I mostly just so that I could check out the old fortresses that I had built um, and get eaten by the things that ate all the people <laughs> in my old fortress. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, the, the fortress mode, I think, is the most um, the most interesting, partly because if you're there's a certain level of simulation um, where uh, it's interesting. And if you and you maybe get. You, you you stretch that a little bit when you get down to the the individual level. I I don't feel like when I play Dwarf Fortress, if I'm playing adventure mode, 
some I meet a person, they tell me a story that's not an interesting story because it is procedurally generated. Right. But if I if I can deduce a story out of reading somebody's uh, thoughts in fortress mode, um, I don't know. It's abstract enough that that it still is interesting. So I, I think it's at the right level of abstra abstraction for me. Well, I was curious too. Like you guys have been playing this for a while. Is this a game that you devote regular set continuous amounts of time to, or do you drop out and come back in? Like, or, or I feel like that would be <laughs> overwhelming to kind of leave for a few months and then try and learn it all again. Uh, it's like riding a bicycle. Oh, <laughs> sure. First you press R, then you press uh, <laughs> W for wheeled vehicles, then you press B for bicycle. <laughs> no, you press I for bicycle. You press I for bicycle. Uh, yeah. B is I already I built. I for bicycle because it was yep. programmed after some other thing. Yeah, yeah uh, I, I drop in and come back. Uh, it's um, the the keystroke thing is a is a barrier to entry uh, from what I've seen with the. The remodel, the 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 sort of code of lacquer that they're putting on everything for the release on um, on Steam, or I guess the 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 release that they're doing mm -hmm. um, with a better UI, all that looks really fun, and I, I think there's a lot of room for improvement in the user interface. But at this point, it really is um, just a muscle memory to to throw down a three letter key combination for <laughs> creating a job queue um, wow. from the manager's interface. That sort of thing is. Um, you, you get used to it. I uh, when we were getting ready to do this recording, uh, and Scott mentioned in the text thread about using Dwarf Therapist, uh, which is this <laughs> like additional utility that you can use that looks at your files in real time. Uh, I was reminded about Dwarf Therapist, so that's what I've been doing now. I mean, there's, there's all these um, pre-made maps you can make your own maps in, in excel and all this stuff that i had never really spent any time with so there's all these different ways that you can engage with the game today's episode of ultra 64 is brought to you by dwarf therapist <laughs> have you been feeling down about <laughs> your your quantity of alcohol intake why not consult a dwarf therapist get better dwarf help today. yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah i think it's i think it bears uh, repeating that the um that dwarf fortress is like a very unforgiving brutalist uh you know um unfriendly experience that is more or less saved for, by like third party mods people have made hmm. uh yeah in the, that the like community is pretty amazing yeah like i don't think i would have ever gotten into dwarf fortress as deep as i had uh, had it not been for the lazy noob pack uh which yeah. is what what you know um which is always recommended for people who are new to the game because it gives you a lot of those utilities that make it a lot faster to do things. So like the you know, dwarf therapist is a tool that allows you to like see all of your dwarves on one screen and like what kind of skills they have and be like, well, you know, damn, nobody's you know, hauling all of this, uh, the stuff I've been mining out. You can just open that up and like click, you know, the mining uh, job to be enabled for everyone in two seconds, instead of having for, for each dwarf having to like navigate you know, to them, open up their jobs list, enable the, you know, or scroll down to where, you know, the mining, uh, uh, the hauling labor is, and then enabling that one, and then going to the next one, et cetera, et cetera. So, like, there's that, there's um, the uh, different tile sets. There are graphical tile sets, yeah. Uh, yeah. So you, you can look at it, and it doesn't have to look like a bunch of letters and squiggles. Yeah, there are a ton of mods. I mean, that has been the interesting thing. Like, it's it's 
I'm sure there are some toxic elements to the fan community because there are to every fan community. But <laughs> from my like looking at, at different resources for the last couple of weeks to research for this, like uh, pretty much everyone's like any tutorial you find is going to be very gentle. I didn't find yeah. any kind of like, oh, you don't get Dwarf Fortress. Uh, you suck, noob, because I think everyone <laughs> understands that this is intensely confusing and that's kind of part of the deal. But if you have more user support, you have more people contributing to this community and you have more ways to map this out and kind of uh, chart out this big, weird, randomly generated world. And so there's kind of a collaborative effort there. Like, I think people who get really into it want to help other people see what they see, which is cool. And there are uh, there are fun things that the community people do. Um it's similar to kind of how stuff, how people do stuff in Minecraft. Uh, but you, the, there's the famous the dwarven calculator, where uh, somebody used the different uh, ways that you can simulate uh, the way uh, objects in the game interact with each other. They just turned that into circuits. So there is, it's a fortress, which is a functioning fortress. But if you look at it as the human that's controlling the fortress, you can uh, type in basic calculations into a calculator and the dwarves will will pull levers and machines will move and your correct answer will be provided uh by what you see on the screen <laughs> by what it's wow. all simulated within the the dwarf fortress uh somebody created um uh with moving tiles created the the game uh space invaders mm -hmm. so you know just give it enough time they'll be doing n64 games too <laughs> yeah yeah give it time Wait, the space invaders is on the n64 so they already are doing n64 wow. games start there there you go um yeah dan, have is... you uh dan have you ever uh have you built any mega projects in in dwarf fortress uh i i'm not good enough at the game <laughs> but <laughs> I, I've, yeah, I've you only have 13 years experience playing it. You're not good <laughs> enough at it. <laughs> I've tried to do a few kind of more elaborate things, but usually I have a, some, my colony collapses for some reason uh, before I'm able to get there. Or, you know, magma magma always flows into my, my fortress. <laughs> I think the most elaborate thing that I built in a fortress a couple years ago was uh, my, my dwarf coliseum. <laughs> which was a it was an underground stadium filled with uh, like masterwork thrones where uh, you had you had like a battle arena surrounded by a spike pit where uh, underneath the battle arena it was it was almost like um, like something from the Roman Coliseum where you would have like monsters come up and your gladiators would like would fight them <laughs> except they had like this elaborate. Uh, uh t like funnel system where so so there's um in fortress mode you know you have like your kind of ground level you can burrow down into the earth and then there's like your caverns with with like level one caverns that have like you know very you know nice underground creatures level two which is a little dicier and level three which are the most diciest and then you get to like <laughs> underworld creatures uh and then Spoilers. it just gets yeah, it just gets uh, <laughs> darker and nastier from there. So I'll leave people to explore from there. But basically, I was I had like this elaborate funnel mechanism to draw those super monsters up into this chamber that would then elevate them up into the, bat <laughs> the battle floor, which I had smoothed out with different minerals to make a dwarf face. So they were like battling on a giant dwarf nice. head. Uh, <laughs> and like I would I would set uh, this command to have 
like my whole population gather in the area to like force them to watch this gladi gladiatorial combat where you know you would have like a master axe dwarf versus you know uh, a giant cave spider or a bronze <laughs> colossus yeah. uh and it like that that kind of thing is what always brings me back. And yeah, I think like I had tried opening up that fortress uh, a couple months ago, and I'm like, what the hell was I doing? What <laughs> what is any of this? This is so confusing. That phenomenon is the main reason I start new forts. It, it's not usually because a fort has fallen apart, but that I've stepped away. So it's not relearning the interface. It's just relearning what the hell is going on in this one fortress. I can't remember. Did I have a flood? I, I don't, what am I supposed to be doing? Uh, so I you always just start fresh. Uh, I have done a few large projects to try and accomplish uh, specific things. Uh, there was a, uh, your dwarves go crazy because they have too many bad thoughts, but you can keep <laughs> that from happening if you give them lots of good thoughts. So one way to do that is to make everything really nice and fancy and excellent. You know, you have the best craft dwarves making your things. Uh, another way to do that is just to find the things that most dwarves like. So most most dwarves like the feeling of mist on their face. So you can build a fortress that's by a waterfall or you can create your own waterfall that will cause mist and then uh, just put it somewhere where your dwarves have to walk through so they're getting misted all the time. So I've tried to create uh, uh, different with different varying levels of success uh, waterfall meeting halls uh, so you can fill up a big cistern from an aqueduct or from a river and, and then uh, release a floodgate and then the water will come down over the grates and spray all your dwarves or you embark in an area where there's a naturally occurring waterfall. There's a lot of things you can do, but uh, it always fails for me ultimately. I never, <laughs> it doesn't sound like I had the kind of success that Scott's had with the mega projects. So this game, I mean, I don't think that this is ever going to be a game that I'm really going to enjoy just based Same. on what I look for in video games because this is essentially like the microist of micromanagement. I also <laughs> function very badly with games that require me to make my own fun because I'm not a creative person and I just want things to I'm very I'm very submissive and I just want things to tell me what to do. <laughs> um, I don't so, even think it's that. I, it's, I think it's just that you and I are kind of the same way in that regard. It's like if you give us an infinite number of possibilities, uh, like for me, I'm going to blank. Yeah. Like all of a sudden, it's like if you put me in front of like a huge box of Legos, I'm just going to make a door. Yeah, we want the like, instructions. So, yeah. Like, so, yeah. yeah. So, so I, I have some suggestions to like how to level up to thinking if Dwarf Fortress is right for you. So okay, okay. Uh, unlike on you know the Dwarf Fortress spectrum, this is uh, like your dwarf... Cosmo. If this was if there was like a Dwarf <laughs> Fortress equivalent of Cosmopolitan magazine, this would be the quiz on the back. Uh huh. Which dwarf are you? Uh, yeah. Which which forgotten beast are you? Uh, so I would say you know for creative, um, free form. Uh, exploration sandboxiness. I want to say like Minecraft kind of fits the bill for like an allegory yeah. for for sure. what the Dwarf Fortress Adventure Mode is. Um, for for something that's a little more guided, uh, I would say you know something. There was a game that released recently. I don't know. Have, has anyone played Frostpunk before? I've heard of it. I haven't played it. No. It's no. kind of. Um, a city management game that's very it's very grim uh but it's very much more of like a you know your goal is to survive uh your dwarves are uh 
um, like turn turn of the twentieth century uh, English people trudging through snow very depressingly <laughs> sure. uh, to to light fires and gather wood, but. Uh, so it's it's a lot more kind of like a grim style of door fortress uh, mm. in a way, but you know it's it's a little more focused. You have things like um, I would say the next kind of step up from that would be has anyone played Factorio before? No, I haven't Again, played it. Another, but I'm sure I've watched a lot of videos about <laughs> it. <laughs> another one that comes up a lot when I'm researching yeah. door fortress. So yeah. fact, Factorio has that has the similar kind of. Um, it's it's guided in the sense that there is a goal. Your goal is to like get off this planet, but it's it's very uh, systems driven. So mm-hmm. instead of like dwarves moving one thing from another, it's like it's like if you replaced all of the dwarves in Dwarf Fortress with conveyor belts. Uh, <laughs> okay, sure. Uh, and then I want to say that like one of the uh, one of the highest rated games on Steam that isn't Factorio is RimWorld, which I would mm-hmm. say is probably the best. Or like the most accessible dwarf fortress like game that actually has like number one a like a good tutorial to show you like yeah. this is what you're looking at like <laughs> you know uh, this is what a person looks like and you can kind of see them like walking around and doing stuff and it 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 ticks a lot of the same kind of boxes and it's like if dwarf fortress was instead of um like uh you know 250 z levels like a skyscraper it's like just on one floor. You have graphics that your brain can easily interpret. You can use a mouse to click on things. It's a lot more um, straightforward. It's such a low barrier that, uh, or low bar that that, uh, Dwarf Fortress sets. I know what I'm looking at. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I thought you were going to say the barrier is you can use a mouse to click on things. Um, But what I wanted to say was this is not going to be a game that I'm going to enjoy. I am comfortable with that as an assumption. No, but the thing is, I do not feel the need to have to enjoy this game. What I really appreciate about this game is it is so clearly someone who has a vision for what they want a thing to do, and it is very uncompromising in that, and it's going to appeal to the audience that it appeals to, Mm. um, and that's awesome. Like, it really does, for as remedial as the graphics look, it feels much more like a work of art than many prettier games. Yeah. Because it really does seem like someone's vision um, to really represent the way someone's mind works, and that's really cool. It doesn't Uh, feel like a creation by committee or anything like that. I'm in the same boat. Like, I'm really glad that this exists and that... This this guy found this really weird outlet for for himself that he gets to stick with, and it's only going to gain like uh, a power the longer it takes him to work on it. You mm-hmm. know, like a half of the battle is just kind of sticking around long enough. You know, and at this point, it's very impressive that he's been with this project for so long, and it's still growing, it's still changing, and he's still taking community input. You know, the Tarn brothers are actually very active in managing their own wiki, too. There's a very, very in-depth wiki for this game that'll kind of walk you through everything you need to know. absolute necessity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were saying you you should keep it open. You have the wiki open. Yeah, there's no alternative way to play. Yeah, so I mean... I, I love anything that can inspire that level of, uh, of of passion, especially for something that seems so very esoteric. And again, yeah, I, I don't think this is for me. It's not really my speed, uh, but it is something I'm fascinated by. And like, it's really amazing that it exists. I don't know. I, I, I think it's a it's a super cool idea. Can I share some uh, some hilarious things that have come out of the the long running 
uh, Legends mode that I had had running yeah, for a little while. Sure, yes, please. Sure. So uh, with so if you use the Lazy Noob Pack utility uh, Legends Explorer, which is basically just um, a, a more user friendly UI, because the the Legends are basically like a gigantic. I think it's an XML file where like there's all these interconnected linkages between all the objects, but there's things in there of like poetic forms, dance yep. forms, musical <laughs> forms that people have developed in like excruciating detail where like, you know, this is, you know, the rhyme scheme of this poem is A, 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 B, C, 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 A kind of thing. Uh, but like, you know, using that utility, you can explore, um, how all of like the inter interrelated connectedness that is Dwarf Fortress and all of like the little entities are in in like a much deeper way and it really kind of like lifts up to the surface like the character of this world. So so uh, some of the ones that uh, leapt out to me from this uh, world, I just created a world, uh, let it run for a long time, and just went immediately into Legends mode. Uh, the the bloodiest battle from uh, from this save that I had. Uh, went for 193 years and mm. had uh, 3,768 dead. Uh, the least bloodiest battle. That's actually battle. not bad for like <laughs> almost 200 years. Yeah, that's pretty yeah, low. Exactly. Uh, the, uh, that one was called the Disemboweled Conflict. Uh, the, least <laughs> bloodiest, the least bloodiest battle was the Conflict of Clobbering, uh, which, which had zero dead. Uh, oh, yeah. sure. But how many clobbers? Yeah, how many clobbers? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, some fun historical entities. Uh, here's a, a goblin male vampire whose goal is to rule the world who has 85 unsolved mysteries tied to him. <laughs> uh, here's a, a male giant alligator um, who died, I think, at the age of 90 years old, uh, who sure. had 42 notable kills. Uh, here's a, here's a, a human male uh, who was struck down during a conflict who worshipped the righteous cyst. And the Righteous Cyst uh, is a deity that occurs in the myths of the Union of Ramparts. Uh, is most often associated uh, as a human male deity, and his associated spheres are healing and depravity. Okay, uh, sure. Those are those are some good spheres to have. Yeah, yeah it's like go out yeah. drinking all night. The next morning, just heal yourself. You're all good. The uh, the the fun written content. So I think these are like these are uh, books or like book titles that are generated in the in the world. Um, my my goal for my current fortress is to like join the pantheon of the of the ranks of these notable. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, so so some of these include uh, uh, after anatomy, <laughs> beyond the wedge, eternal rest when it counts. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the love of animal embryos, <laughs> I like this one. A lot. This, this one's uh, an Asimov book in waiting. Foundations of injuries. Uh, give me mineral remedies. I like this one. Uh, rainfall explained. <laughs> so that's, that's uh, finally that, one, that finally. one's thick. There's uh, there's start your day with predator and prey. And the last one, start your day with wind direction. <laughs> sure that's good that's word a, on on that i feel like it's just aiming your farts yeah that's all it is i feel mm. like on that note my brain is melted from dwarf fortress i want to start my day from wind direction do you guys have more to say any more to say about i mean certainly for dwarf fortress there is infinite to say um but well, any I more think- sort of final thoughts on what dwarf fortress means to you or whatever i um, i just i think that it's a great um it's a great experience. I do 
think of it as a game, but uh, there are a lot of ways to look at this game. Uh, I would recommend people check out. There's some uh, YouTubers that have, uh, like, they'll show you their gameplay, uh, but maybe they'll tell it as a story with pictures, uh, so you can you can learn how information is stored in the game and and how you can come up with a story uh, from from what that that is. Also, they're pretty entertaining stories. So um, I would just recommend. Um, Go ahead and download the file, but but watch a tutorial with it. Don't don't just try and poke around. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to figure it out very easily. Yeah, I think uh, so. Shout out to to Krug Smash and his yeah. YouTube channel. That's uh, yeah, like, that was what I used. That was very helpful. Yeah, he has like just like the way that he explores adventure mode and puts like his own sort of creative veneer on it of like you know like a, like basically role playing the adventurers running around really like you don't even have to download or like play dwarf fortress to really kind yeah. of enjoy the content that's created from it but yeah i'll say that um yeah dwarf fortress to me i think is has this reputation of being you know like the pinnacle of impenetrable nerddom but i think like once you kind of get over the initial humps of it and um I think it ages like a fine dwarven wine in a way. <laughs> uh, and you know the the reward that you get from investment is very high. So I think like if it's by all means, you know it's free, it runs on Windows, Mac, and Linux. Give it a download. You'll hate it the first time you try it. That's mm -hmm. totally fine. Uh, you can instead, you know, try something like um, like RimWorld or Kenshi or Frostpunk or Factorio, and those will give you sort of like more of an intro to like these crazy, super complicated, uh, wacky games that that will you know help you know help you strike the earth and you know set you out on your next dwarven adventure. Well, that's amazing. Thank you guys both so much for being here and helping to uh, explain this game to us. Uh, and thank you so much to Scott in particular for being a patron at our superstar tier. Uh, we're delighted to have you, and thank you so much for your contribution. Uh, folks listening out there, if you'd like to join in at the superstar tier, you just stay there for three months, and you can come on the show to talk with us about any game you want. And yeah. I think we have demonstrated we do mean any game. <laughs> yeah. uh, this one is, uh, I doubt they'll ever be as impenetrable as this one, but I really appreciated the challenge, actually. I got very into... Uh, kind of trying to parse all this out and, and uh, dig deeper into the world. So thank you again, everybody. We are Ultra 64 Podcast on all the different social medias. Patreon.com slash Ultra 64 Pod is where you can sign up for all of our additional benefits, including more than 40 bonus episodes oh, at so this point. Isn't that crazy? Episodes. So more than 40 on there right now. Many more to come. Can I do some plugs? Can I, can I plug my uh, my hair plugs that I have? Uh, ready for <laughs> uh, plug them plugs. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, so I, I run a, uh, uh, I guess, data science slash cycling slash video game blog, question mark. <laughs> sure. Uh, so if uh, if anything that I've said so far has uh, not, you know, uh, pierced your eardrums and you're, you're still <laughs> listening to my voice, uh, go to svburger.com. I have uh, a new post up there that I've been um, uh, putting together a YouTube playlist of uh, very Zen space uh, videos. So oh. there, there's there's this um, uh, not to keep the podcast running much longer, but we uh, there's uh, another free software called Space Engine where you know you can kind of like run like 
fly around through the universe. It's not Dwarf Fortress. It's it's fine. Trust me. And uh, <laughs> I uh, just have a bunch of very very zen, relaxing videos that I've uh, I've created out of that and put up on my YouTube channel. So you can find that on my my data science blog at svburger.com. Nice. That's not, I think I'm going to need some relaxing space videos after trying to talk about Dwarf Fortress for an hour. I think so. Like. I think so. Uh, well, thank you again, both of you, for being here. And uh, all right, we're, we're going to let you go for now. Uh, asterisk, asterisk, WX escaped. Yeah, leave, think, think good, only good thoughts, guys. Only good thoughts. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>